welcome to the sermon podcast of Orchardville Baptist Church in beautiful Moultrie, Georgia. We're so glad that you've chosen to listen in with us today. It is our hope that you will be encouraged by the Word of God and find growth in your everyday life. For more information about our church or for more digital resources, be sure to check us out on the web at OrchardvilleBaptist.com. And now for today's sermon. Jake and ladies for leading us tonight and uh, tonight church we are going to be in the book of Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 5 Deuteronomy chapter 5 we are looking uh, going through the book of Deuteronomy and uh, we are in a section here in chapter 5 where uh, Moses is reviewing the Ten Commandments with the nation of Israel Remember that Moses in the book of Deuteronomy is about to die. This may be his last sermon or series of sermons that he is preaching to the nation of Israel right before they are going to cross over the Jordan River and go into the promised land. Moses had committed a sin earlier and as a result he would not be allowed to go into the promised land. So this is his last few messages or message to the nation of Israel, and he is challenging them uh, to follow God's word throughout this book. And uh, we are now uh, in the middle of the Ten Commandments, and we're going to begin tonight in chapter 5, verse 16. I'd ask you if you're willing and able to please stand with your Bibles open in honor and in reverence of God's holy word. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do love you and praise you tonight. And God, we thank you for the love that you have for us, a love that would cause you to do what you did to save us. I am so thankful for salvation that is found only in you, Lord Jesus. And as we approach your precious word, Lord, I pray that tonight uh, this would not be an exercise or a routine or a tradition. But, Lord, it would be an encounter with you, Lord, as we open up your word and seek to, to know what you have said and seek to follow what you have said, to put it to practice in our lives, Lord, because you don't want us to just hear these words. You want us to do uh, these words that are found in your book. Oh, God, I pray tonight that you would give me words to to preach, Lord, that you would preach through me, that, Lord, the glory and the honor would all go to you. Thank you for what we've had already tonight in worship. And now may you, Lord, convict every one of us here tonight. Those listening online, Lord, may your spirit convict us here and there, Lord. I pray that, God, if there's anyone lost, that you convict them of their lost and show them they need to be born again tonight, Lord. And for every believer, convict us to be more like Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And you may be seated. A couple of weeks ago when we started in this uh, section here of Deuteronomy, we looked at the challenge that God uh, gave through Moses to follow these words, these commandments. And we began looking at the commandments. We looked at those first four commandments. The first of these four commandments and, and tonight we want to begin moving into the last six. 
And if you'll recall, the first four commandments dealt with our relationship with God. That's the most important relationship we have. And we are to make sure that that is right. And when that is right, we can then get other relationships going where they need to go as well. These, these last six deal with our relationships with each other. And we saw where last week where these Ten Commandments are the basis of God's law. All the commandments that we find uh, are based right here out of these ten. Uh, these are the foundation, and now we, we get the other laws from them. Uh, we also talked about how one of those laws a couple of weeks ago did not apply to us as New Testament believers. Uh, we are not called to, to worship on the Sabbath day. We are called as New Testament believers to gather and to worship and we should have a day of rest because God tells his people to have a day of rest. But again, uh, we do not live under a theocracy, okay? Uh, many times in the early first century church, they lived as slaves. They didn't get to dictate what days they took off. So they were just supposed to meet when they could. But the rest of these commandments, they, they do apply to us. And we'll see how they should be practiced. Now tonight, we're just going to look at two of them, okay? We're just going to look at two of those commandments tonight. We're going to look at, the, at commandment number five and commandment number six, dealing with honoring our parents and not committing murder. So having said that, let's look here at verse 16. The fifth commandment is to honor your parents. He says in verse 16, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. He says a great deal about this commandment here. We think about honoring. Uh, the first commandment after our relationship with God deals with the home. It starts in the home. I believe that's very significant when we think about how God created everything. Before he created the church, he created the family. And what we see here is that God gets right into the family here by making this very significant commandment. He's a, it's a simple command, and the command is to honor our parents. Now, uh, what this word honor means, it means, to, it means to give honor or respect to someone. It means something that is weighty, something that is important, and, and we are to show it respect. Uh, so when we think about this command to honor, it, it means that we are to show ways in our everyday life that we respect or bring honor to our parents. It's not just to be something inside, but something that is to be seen. Now, remember, when we think about um, uh, the, uh, the, the Old Testament law and even the New Testament law, when Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me, okay? It's always in action, okay? So if we say that we are going to honor our parents, there will be actions to bear that out. Now, I believe there's two major misconceptions about this commandment that, that I would like to address tonight. One of them means that you simply do everything that your parents say. Now, that commandment does not mean that we do everything that our parents say. There are times when some parents may ask their children to do something that is wrong or sinful. And in those cases, if possible, those children should not do what their parents say. In some cases, some children don't have an option. But if, if there's any way that they can resist that, that is to happen. This is not some blanket command that you just do everything that they say. Uh, this commandment means that we are to treat our parents with the respect that they deserve. And that they get the respect also by the way we conduct our lives. 
that the way we live our lives will not shame them, but bring, make them proud of us, you might say. When we think about the book of Luke in chapter 15, there's a story of the prodigal son. Y'all remember him? He goes up to his father and he asks for his inheritance. What he did was something that would have humiliated his father. It would have dishonored his father in a great way for a son to do something like that. That is the opposite of what this command is all about. Matter of fact, what he is doing there is really grounds for him to be stoned to death. And yes, in Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21, when we see a, a, a child that is rebellious toward their parents, it was grounds for them to be stoned to death. It's serious business with God, isn't it? That children respect and honor their parents. Now, we have no record of a child ever being stoned to death for that. If they did, we don't have any record of it. But according to Old Testament law, that could have happened. So uh, there is a, a misconception that means that we simply do everything they say, and that's not it. What it means is that our lives are to show respect to them and, and honor to them and the way we conduct ourselves and live. But then secondly, a second misconception is that this command is only for children. I mean, young children living at the house or in the home. Uh, when I was a youth minister, I used to always jokingly say that this was the teenager's commandment, you know. I used to love studying the Ten Commandments. I'd love to tell them teenagers, you got to honor your father and your mother. But this commandment, who is it given to? It's given to a group of adults that are about to cross over into the Jordan. Originally, it was given to a group of adults who had crossed the Red Sea and were out Mount Sinai. Uh, this commandment is for, for any child regardless of their age. There's a misconception that, hey, we get to a certain age, we don't have to follow this command. No, that's not found anywhere in Scripture. Uh, if they are our parents, they are to be honored. Now, uh, it is important that younger children listen to their parents because uh, they are the primary teachers in their life. They are the primary teachers in their life. When we get over to Deuteronomy chapter 6 in verse 7, uh, really verses 4 through uh, 9 there, what you see is the the Jewish Shema, a prayer that they would pray and, and live by the Jews, even to this day, devout Jews. And he says in verse 4 of chapter 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, is, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And, you, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. But if you'll notice there in verse 7, the parents were to teach their children in every portion of the day when they were around them, God's word. They were to teach them the commandments. They were to remind of these commandments. Why? They didn't have books. They didn't have books they could carry around. They didn't have scrolls to carry around. They had to memorize the word of God, and then they had to teach it to their children. So their children needed to listen to them as God taught them, as their children, as the parents taught them the word of God. Now, uh, church, I need to stress today, uh, what burdens my heart is how our society is changing rapidly. And, uh, you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm 49 years old. I'm scaring 50 to death. And, and, you know, I can look back now and I can see 
a lot of changes even in my lifetime on how people have approached things. What is right and wrong, how they've treated the Word of God, and, and how things are getting worse and they're not getting better. And I, quite frankly, I don't know if they're going to be. They could. They could. God could send a revival. But it won't happen unless you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, make more disciples than Satan's making. Amen. I mean, we have to turn the tide. And, and if not, society is going to get worse. The, 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 the importance of parents... Teaching their children the word of God and what is right and wrong. When everything they're going to see on TV, every movie they're going to see, and, and every song almost that they hear, and all of social media will teach that, listen, you live your life the way you want to. It doesn't matter. Just do whatever feels good. And that is not how we are to live, church. We are to live according to the, the word of God. That that is the only thing that will keep us on the straight and narrow. So it's even more important now that we teach these truths. I was reading a book here recently about the uh, influence of, of Hellenism on, on society, even today. And, and what is Hellenism? Hellenism is, is the Greek philosophy that Alexander the Great spread. And one of the things that made him so significant, so important in history, not only did he conquer so much land at a young age, but he was smart enough in his mind that said, I don't want to just conquer a people. I want to change the way they think. I want to change the way they conduct their everyday lives. And when you think about the Jewish people, before Alexander the Great came to Jerusalem and, and, and overtook those people, and again, they didn't fight. They knew better than to fight him. He, he changed their whole philosophy. Before that time, do you know what the Jews studied? They studied two things. If you were a boy, you studied what your father did for a living. If your father was a, was a blacksmith, that's what you studied. You studied that. If he was a carpenter, you studied that. If he was a farmer, that's what you studied. You studied that and the Word of God. Those are only two things. They, they didn't study Jewish history. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Egyptian history. They didn't study about the Great Wall of China. They didn't study about anything else but the Word of God. But once Alexander the Great came in, he changed their whole educational system. And as a result, they moved away from the Word of God. And all of a sudden, Greek philosophy came in and it, it altered how they studied. But I want you to understand that in God's uh, law that gives his people, he says, this is what I want you to study. This is what I want you to be engrossed with. This is what I want you to I want you to be able to teach your children so they might know this Word. We see that it's not just for uh, children, but for adults. And we know that from what we find in the New Testament. If you want to hold your spot there and turn to Mark chapter 7. In Mark chapter 7, we see Jesus having an encounter with some religious leaders, some Pharisees, some hypocrites. Now in Mark chapter 7, these Pharisees are criticizing Jesus' disciples because they're not washing their hands. They think they're being ceremonially unclean in the way they are going about their life. They're criticizing Jesus and his disciples. They consider that defilement. They weren't following the traditions of the elders and the Pharisees. Well, beginning in verse 6, Jesus tears into them. And in verse 6, Jesus begins to tear into them about what defilement really is. And in verse 6 it says, And he answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, 
hypocrites, as it is written. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. He quotes Isaiah about how these folks, they they talk a big game, but their heart is far from God and their worship is vain. It's empty. It means nothing. You know why? Because they're teaching man's commandments above the word of God. Verse 8, for laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and, and many other things you do. He said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. He said, you're ignoring the word of God so you can keep your tradition. Verse 10, for Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And he who curses his father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is korban, korban, that is a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many other such things you do. What were they doing? This, this Corban, what they were doing is saying, that listen, instead of taking care of their aging father and mother, which might cost them some money or inconvenience, they were saying, I'm taking that money, I'm going to dedicate it to the temple. I'm going to dedicate it to God. I would help you out, mom and dad, but I can't because I'm dedicating this to God. Well, here's the trick to it. They didn't have to give that money or it didn't go to, to the temple until they died. In essence, they got to keep their money. And they came up with a tradition that made them sound so spiritual. And in essence, they were disregarding the fifth commandment to keep their tradition and to keep their money. See, this commandment is not just for, for, for children, but it is for adults as well. Over in 1 Timothy chapter 5, in verses 4 and 8, Paul wrote this, But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. In verse 8 he says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It's a big deal to God, this commandment. It starts as children when we, when we listen to them teach us the word of God and teach us those truths. And then as we get older, we are to show them respect by the way we live and do what we can to take care of them and provide for them as they have provided for us. God makes it very clear how this is to take place. Now, when that happens, as we go back to Deuteronomy chapter six, chapter 5, verse 16, there are two blessings that come with that. If they will honor their their parents the way they should, we see here there are two blessings. He says here that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. He is saying you're going to be able to live longer and you are going to have a more blessed life if you'll just do that in the land that you are going. Now, this all stems back to, again, listening and learning And following the commandments of God that the parents were to teach their children. You see, there's a lot of bad things that happen to us in this life. There's a lot of things that we can't explain that that we have no control over. But there's also a lot of dumb things we can do that will put us in a lot of trouble. The Bible is full 
of people who disobeyed the Word of God and it led directly to their death. Over and over again. I don't know who said it first. John Wayne gets credit. I found out he probably didn't say it. But the old saying is, life is hard. It's even harder when you're stupid. Amen. I mean, you don't want to add to it. I, I love to listen to Rick and Bubba on, in the morning on the radio when I get a chance. And I love Rick and Bubba. They are so, uh, they, they, they have interns that work with them. And they give out degrees in common sense. Amen. Because we are, we are losing that in our country. And there'll be an article about a guy, some celebrity or some sports athlete, who gets in a shooting or something bad happens. And I'll always say in the early morning hours, he was at a, a club or somewhere. And you know what they say? Hey, when you're in bed sober at midnight, you're a lot less likely to get shot. Amen. There ain't, ain't nothing good happening after midnight. Nothing Ain't nothing good happening after midnight. If I get a call after midnight, let me tell you, it ain't going to be good. It's going to be bad. I mean, I mean, there, there's nothing good that goes on then. And again, the Bible is full of people who just simply did not listen to what God said. They, they, God says, here's what's going to happen. And they just keep on doing it. I mean, there's people today who have heard the gospel message and they've rejected. Guess what? Not only are they going to die physically, they're going to die spiritually. It's going to be awful. Do you know the fact that we even die is a direct result of somebody not listening to the commandment of God? God told Adam and Eve, don't eat the tree. What'd they do? Ate of the tree. One commandment. And because of that, we die today physically because of that. Folks, we cannot ignore the word of God and expect the blessing of God. That is ignorant. That is foolish. Uh, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but I encourage you to, to do this. But turn up to Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. He, he, this is the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3. In verse 8, Malachi says, in Malachi chapter 3 verse 8, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For even you have robbed me. Even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. Says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven. And pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, folks, I, I, we are not under the same covenant that Israel was. But understand what God told those Israelites. If they would follow these commands, you will not have plagues in your land. I will curse the devourer. Your land will be a land that everyone uh, will see as a delightful land. 
God promised them blessing after blessing on that. And today, as a, as a child of God, God's not told us that we're not going to have any problems. But here's what I do know. If we choose to ignore what he says, we are going to add to our problems. Is God not a good God? Would a good father, would he let his child continually disobey him if he knew that child was headed for disaster? Would a good father not do what he has to do to change the behavior of that child? And if it involves discipline, it involves discipline, but he'll do what needs to be done to change that behavior. You know why? Because he loves that child. He doesn't want to see that child be ruined. The nation of Israel lost their land to the Assyrians and then to the Babylonians because they did not follow the word of God. If they just followed it according to Exodus 34, their neighbors, even though they would see it as delightful, would not even desire it. But yet they did not follow the word. You see why this commandment is so vitally important? As those parents taught their children the word of God and those children grew up and they taught and lived out the word of God and taught their children as they continued to teach God's commandments that they would be able to live long in that land. But because they rejected, they were removed from the land. If they would do what God's word said, many of them would be, their lives would have been spared. But they did not. And as a result, their lives were cut short. In the New Testament, we see this command is, is still very important. We see that the Lord Jesus Christ submitted to his parents in Luke chapter 2. He submitted to them as he hung on the cross. He is concerned about his mother. He says, John, behold your mother. You take care of her. We see that Paul quotes, quotes this in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, as he's highlighting the fact that it's the first commandment with a promise. And you know what I think is so powerful about that whole context there? In, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, in the last part of chapter 5, remember there are no chapter divisions when Paul wrote this. They were put in later by, by translators. But what we see in the previous verses, verses 22 through 33 of chapter 5, is this picture of a husband and a wife together. And it is a picture of the gospel. It is a picture of the church. And what a, a marriage should be is a picture of what God desires, uh, of two coming together. It is a picture of forgiveness and love and submission. And as parents live that life, their children should be able to see it and in turn live it out themselves. It, it, it's a reminder to me. And if you've got kids, you, have, you, you know what I'm talking about. You can tell them to do a hundred things. The only thing they're going to remember is what you did wrong. Amen. But they're watching. What's important to me is probably what's going to be important to my children. What excites me, what really excites me is, is probably going to have an impact on them. I can't come in here as some schizophrenic person and acting all happy, joy, joy that I love Jesus and then leave and complain about everything under the sun when I leave this place. I can't run down uh, the church and, and run down church members and everything and then expect my children to love the church. And I, I just want to say something right now because I hear about it all the time. And I just want to thank all Trueville Baptist Church for loving my family. My children love their church. And it's because you, you've loved them. You are easy to love. And I thank God, God's given me this opportunity. But I just want to challenge you 
that listen, we, we, this, this relationship we have with God, our children are watching it. And, and, and they, we can tell them all kinds of stuff, but they're going to watch us. And what we really do, what really motivates us is going to have an impact. Do they see daddy loving Jesus? Do they see mama loving Jesus? This is what we should be showing because we teach with our words, but we also teach by our actions. Amen? They're watching everything. So we see this commandment is so important. And because it was not followed, it led to problem after problem throughout. Again, get that relationship right with God, and then they were to be taught these truths, and they would be blessings if they would, but unfortunately they did not many times. We see here in verse 17, the sixth commandment, do not murder. Now there is no word in the Hebrew language for premeditated murder or homicide. Many times, um, because of the way it's translated in the King James Bible, people uh, assume that it's just for any kind of killing. But the, the context, I believe, makes clear this is any kind of premeditated murder or homicide. God is the giver of life, and he is the one who takes it. Not us, him. We are created in his image according to Genesis 1. 26 and 27. And murder is actually an attack against God's image and against God. In Genesis 6, 9, before the law was given, whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, man was made. From the very beginning, this is very important to God. And again, some people uh, will use this, this verse to argue for pacifism or the abolishing of the the death penalty because of the way it's translated in the King James. But again, that would be a a misuse of scripture to do so. There may be other scriptures that you could use to, to justify that particular point, but you cannot use this commandment for this because this verse is dealing with murder. There are multiple passages where God says it's okay to take a life. Multiple. Matter of fact, y'all want to know? Okay, thank you. I'll tell you. In Exodus 22, 2, if a thief breaks into your house and you encounter them and he dies, uh, you are guiltless for that. In Romans 13, 4, it says that God has placed the government does not bear the sword in vain, for he, talking about the government, is God's minister as an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. The word that's translated sword there in Romans 13, 4 means an executioner's sword. The government does have the right to execute folks who are evildoers. In Deuteronomy 2, 34, what we see that in other places in the book of Joshua, for example, there were times when God had conducted a holy war against certain individuals and people and because of that they were to be taken out in deuteronomy 20 there are rules and guidelines for war when to kill when not to kill already through their journey in the 40 years that moses has been with them there's been multiple times when people have had to been executed among their own people there are times when god sent plagues on them there are times when god sent serpents on them there are times when god has already executed judgment on them I think it's important. One 
one scholar put made this note. He said it's worth noting that the law was not given to Israel. I'm sorry. The, it's worth noting that the law was given to Israel to restrain people and punish them for crimes and not to reform them. Because laws do not reform people. The law cannot change a person's heart. God changes a person's heart. But for those who refuse to obey, in some cases, that even leads to death or the loss of their life. When we look in the New Testament, Jesus warned, warns us in the Sermon on the Mount that many times murder doesn't just happen. It begins with hatred in our heart for someone else. And if that hatred is not checked, it can lead to murder. Matter of fact, in 1 John 3, John writes this. In, in 1 John 3, he says in verse 10, In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest or revealed. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil, and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life, because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. And whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And who and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Someone who claims to be a child of God and yet consistently, habitually hates their brother. John says, uh, how can you have eternal life in you? How can you be saved? That's a direct contradiction, John says. The gospel, the, the, the apostle of love. Again, church, I hope and pray nobody in here would ever commit murder but i believe that it's very easy for us if we're not careful to let hatred slip in and we must guard it we must be quick to forgive we must be quick to move on if not it will begin to grow and it will take root in our life and it will do nothing but lead to heartache and pain for the child of god we must not let it happen in our own society it's just eat up with murders last year during the covid Shut down. Murders were up 25% in America. The first few months of this year, the numbers are still going up. We hear about mass shootings, gang shootings, domestic shootings. There's euthanasia. There's abortion. All these things, all these things happen as people forget and have hatred in their heart. They get selfish. And folks, we need to be very careful that we cling to God's promises and understand that it's not our position to take someone's life. We are to uh, show others the love of Christ, not to be wrapped up in hatred that would lead to taking a life. Matter of fact, many times in Scripture, God talks about how the people were in trouble because there was such a loss in respect of human life. People killing people randomly and taking their lives it just disgusted God and it defiled the land. Again, he was reminding them, stay away from that. 
As we wrap this up tonight, church, we see with these two commandments, first in that we should honor our father and mother, it's very important that we understand that is a very important relationship in our life, but it cannot be the number one relationship in our life. The number one relationship in our life should be with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew ten thirty seven. Jesus said, whoever loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Sometimes parents can be wrong. Sometimes they can be sincere in their love and be wrong. We need to make sure that we are walking with the Lord and we keep that relationship number one. If not, we cannot call ourselves a disciple of his. But we are to do everything we can to honor our father and mother our grandparents, if possible. Uh, it affects the way that the believer lives. And here, this last commandment that we are to be, this commandment not to, not to murder is just as important as ever. We are not to, to take someone's life through premeditated homicide. We are, all it does is incite the wrath of God and there will be punishment for that. But as Jesus said, it always starts in the heart. So I want to challenge us tonight to guard our heart, to not let that hatred slip in there. Because you never know when that hatred, what it's going to lead to. You give Satan an inch, and he'll take a foot. You let him get a stronghold in your life. And again, we allow him to do that. It can lead to all kinds of trouble. I'm so glad that Jesus came and saved this church. And because of that, he has given us the ability, I believe, to follow his word to obey his commandments. And I want to encourage you with that tonight. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for all that you do for us. Lord, as we look at these commandments tonight, God, may we be reminded that these relationships are very important in the home, but they cannot supersede our relationship with you. I pray, Lord, tonight that everyone here knows you as their Lord and personal Savior, and if not, that, Lord, even today, this evening, they would be born again. I pray that, Lord, they'd make the decision tonight, Lord, to make you number one in their life, to surrender all and come to you. God, I pray tonight if there's anybody here who, if we were to be honest, there's some people that we are struggling to love. We, we may not want to call it hate, but that might be exactly what it is. And, Lord, we need help getting rid of it. God, we want to turn it over to you. It may be that there are some folks here tonight who need help being able to forgive as we need to forgive, to love as we need to love. Oh, God, tonight I, I pray that you would do a work in all of our lives, Lord. Examine us, Lord, and may we be real with you tonight. And, Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Tonight, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that tonight is as simple as...